Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and future. I'm Dr. Jody, and as an anxiety expert and adult child and adolescent doctor of clinical psychology, I'm on a mission to create a world where every person can manage anxiety and thrive. Over the last 30 years, I've coached global organizations and worked across clinical and educational settings, including Harvard Medical School. In 2015, I founded The Anxiety Clinic with a purpose to help adults, kids and teens to overcome anxiety, stress, behavioral challenges, low mood and burnout and live life with happiness and well-being. As a keynote speaker and executive coach, I love to help individuals, leaders and teams to master their mindset, enhance well-being and achieve resilient high performance. I also share my knowledge in my best-selling book, The Mind Strength Method, Four Steps to Curb Anxiety, Conquer Worry and Build Resilience. Join me as I go in session with celebrities, elite athletes, and business leaders to find out how they've leveraged the superpower of anxiety, risen above challenges, and aligned to passion and purpose. I'm talking with Mia McLeod, marketing extraordinaire and a beautiful, heart-driven human being. Such a joy to connect. How are you doing there, Mia? Hi, Jodie. So great to be on the show. Um, really well, thank you. We've known each other for a little while. We have done some wonderful work together, but I also know you as an amazing professional. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're doing, what your gig is professionally at the moment. We've been working together since July and it's been an amazing journey to be part of your businesses. My background is uh, digital marketing. I've been a digital marketer for my whole career, working for companies like Universal Music, Sony Music, MSN, Walt Disney back in London. And um, I've always really enjoyed kind of colliding tech with marketing and audiences. And I, I feel really passionate about delivering technology and digital innovation to audiences. And I love doing that for clients as well. Amazing. And yeah, what a beautiful area of expertise in this world where digital and the ability to spread our messages globally now never has been an easier time to do that. And your skills are so absolutely fundamental. They are big corporates that you have worked with over the years. Tell me some of the highlights in your experience professionally. I think working for entertainment companies, it is such a fun environment in roles where I get have had a lot of exposure to working with creative artists and in a lot of cases launching music and records to not only Australian audiences but global audiences or or international artists launching them locally. It's a super exciting way to earn a living, getting involved with people who have got literally an abundance of creativity and trying to shape it and take it to the mass audiences. It's a fantastic way to be involved in business. And I think I learned a lot working for record companies. They're obviously quite an established creative industry, but also a business industry. And I think that for me is a real sweet spot in mm. the business world is being able to bring to life creativity and make money at the same time. Ideally do some good, entertain some people. Absolutely. (laughs) And in terms of the artists you've worked with in the entertainment industry, who are some individuals who you have touched the lives of to help them to spread spread their voice with the world? 
Well, some, um, when I was working in London, actually, I worked with some incredible artists. You know, the biggest artist I think I've worked with is Bruce Springsteen and Celine Dion and Jennifer Lopez. When I was working in London, I was working across Europe. So I was on, able to kind of spend a year or so traveling around and going to promo gigs all around Europe and working with some of these artists, which was just like actually when I think back to it quite ridiculous (laughs) mind-blowing just a few perks of the trade right yeah that's amazing any stories that you can reveal in (laughs) traveling the world reveal any of them (laughs) some incredible names there I think one person that um was absolutely phenomenal was Celine Dion actually she was completely professional one of the jobs that we were doing was kind of bringing media and interview PR people through to interview her. And I mean, you know, this was when she had probably been in her you know, business for 30 odd years and had seen and answered every question that there had been to answer. But the Mm -hmm. grace that she had in answering these questions, these media people were just, you know, the most banal questions that you've without any creativity at all. And she, with such grace, kind of continued to answer with a big smile on her face and was so polite and gracious and that's always stuck with me actually that it's hard to sometimes remain very well behaved and kind Mm. of keep yourself nice in situations but when you do the response is incredible and she she won favor for that because she very rarely has ever had anything bad written about her because she's always respected the people around her and the, the jobs that everyone's doing and I think there's a lot to be said for that when we talk about high performers and the X factor of high performers. And I think this is so, so special because it is the power of connection and authentic connections and whoever you're speaking with to really connect from the heart and make that person feel like the only person in the room. So it is standout uh, individuals such as Celine who can do that with so much grace, as you say, and authenticity Mm. and warmth. Total warmth. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. She was Such beautiful values. Amazing. And in your experience with these next level professionals, what are some superpowers, the X factor that really differentiates in the realm of high performance that has enabled these people to succeed at that level? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot over the years. And um, I think one thing that really stands out to me is you can't kind of learn what you don't know. You have to really learn on the job. And I remember my father was a quite an interesting character. He's not alive mm. anymore. He would always say things like, oh, I could have been a doctor or I could have been a lawyer or I could have been a record producer. It was always quite funny. He was a super smart, ridiculously smart person with a lot of qualities. But the one thing that you obviously need to do anything is you need the the stick in kind of factor and you need to really commit. And mm. and that means doing things over and over and over again until you're really good at them and mm. committing to a trade. And so in the example of these music artists like Celine being at the top of the game, they stuck to their trade for their whole entire life and just continued to finesse it and get better and better. So when the you know, publicity people came and asked them the repetitive questions. They mm-hmm. didn't lose their mind and react and storm off and say, I'm too good for this. Mm. They kept answering the questions over and over again. Every element of their job, they did. You know, there, were, there wasn't a way to bypass it because they were too elite for a certain piece of that job. Every bit of that job had to be done. Mm. And that's something that I really do notice in everyone who excels and is a high performer. They know their business inside out. Their uh, sleeves are rolled up. 
They are in the detail, answering their customers' questions. There's no stone left unturned. They're in it for the long haul. I see that very clearly in the music industry, that that's the difference. So many high performance nuggets in that, you know, just reflecting and thinking about all of the stuff that you've just highlighted, that heart-driven grit, (laughs) the the determination, playing the long game. You know, what comes to mind is that Mm. visual of the iceberg where, you know, under the surface you see all of the shit, (laughs) not the shit, but the the hard work, the knockbacks, the frustrations, the, oh my goodness, this is so tough. But above the surface we see Celine, you know, (laughs) all of the grace and as if this has always been so easy, but under the surface, there's so much going on there. I was thinking about that. We had the news of the Queen passing Mm. away and, you know, what an incredible woman. Mm. You know, really, there's been absolutely no blurs on her CV. (laughs) She Mm. has just held her head high and done what she's believed to be the right thing her whole entire life. And, Mm. you know, she's had to make hard decisions. She's had to turn her back on her family in some instances Mm. because of things. But she's stuck to her belief and her values. Mm. And I know values is a big you know, word in your world as well. And this, mm. actually, um, you know, I think is so important when you have something that you believe in that you can really stick by it and, and mm. stand by yourself. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know that. You don't know that inherently. You have to kind of figure that out. Mm. Awareness is such a superpower because when so many tough things go on and you mentioned the Queen and all of the challenges that have uh, transpired in her life, just that bringing it back to the clarity of focus and the clarity of purpose and her direction in life, she always had that capacity, or at least from watching The Crown, I know this because (laughs) I'm a high authority from my uh, binging on TV series. Um, uh, Yes, but, you know, certainly what we've seen in the public eye as well is that grit and is that clarity on her deep loyalty to purpose and loyalty to her role. The other thing that really stands out in relation to beautiful things that you're describing around the professionals you've worked with and the reflection on the queen is mindful engagement with the individuals you're with. You know, what you were talking about with Celine and the questions with the interviewers and the repetitive questions, but really bringing it back to this person in this moment is asking me this question and I am going to connect with authenticity and heart to build that relationship. I'm curious to know about Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Can't leave that stone unturned. So, I mean, obviously we know Bruce Springsteen, everyone knows Bruce Springsteen, but he at the time was launching a new album across Europe. It was in around about 2008, I think. There was an opportunity to kind of take him out through the mass media in each of the European cities, but through a digital download of a track from that album in Mm. exchange for an, an email address, which at the time, you know, wasn't very widely done. So, we managed to get a whole bunch of media to agree to kind of put a banner on their homepage simultaneously across Europe. And we provided a email capture download mechanic for us to capture all the email addresses in exchange for providing a, an unwatermarked track from our unreleased album, which was mm. a pretty insane thing to do because it was giving away a track that had off an album that hadn't been released yet behind a, an email capture and doing it simultaneously with media in 
different countries mm. across Europe. So it was actually pretty momentous. And we Amazing. captured hundreds of thousands of emails through that um, ac- activity wow. and built a database for him that was quite an innovative thing at the time. And then obviously we're able to market, remarket to the database with the album. In fact, the most lucrative part of that is that off the back of that, you then sell tickets to the tour. And he was doing a, an, a European tour very soon after that album was coming out. I've got to say, I didn't have much close contact. There was quite a few bodies in between me and Bruce Springsteen, unfortunately. But <laughs> I was in the same room as you. You weren't body to body with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Damn shame. Talking about all of these other e- exceptional professionals, but look at you fly. I mean, you're liaising with these individuals. You are creating opportunities for them. You are a standout professional. You're a mom. You are so heart driven. You deeply, deeply care. And it's just magnificent. So I'm so curious to know what's the X factor in you? I mean, it's so hard to be on the receiving end of these sorts of questions (laughs) because we focus typically on our not good enough. These are tough, tough industries that you worked with for many years Mm. with people who are best in their game. What were you drawing on to enable you to sustain working in this environment? I grew up in a pretty tough family. The McLeods have a a very severe um, kind of personality trait of being very serious, a little bit quite sarcastic, a little bit fun and playful, but on the whole, fairly strict. Um, Mm. To my uncle and my dad both went straight to the army, to Duntroon when they left home because their home life had been pretty tough my and everyone was very strong and growing up with a family where there was a lot of you know the times were hard then there wasn't a lot tons of money around everyone believed in education they really felt valued that if they had a good education they had a lot more prospects and so I grew up in a household where you know hard work was was the way you got forward in life and that you know you stuck in you you had grit and that has really served me well it's obviously there's been some challenges with having that kind of upbringing and environment to grow up in because you obviously miss out on some things you miss out on kind of warm and fuzzy and you've got to develop that part yourself you know we were in the the era that I grew up in is different to the era now the way I bring up my kids is completely different to the way I was brought up as we've evolved our generations evolved everyone's becoming much more aware of psychology and Mm. and and self-help and their their own needs and their behaviors and what that how that impacts on other people and I you know over the years I've been very interested in that and you know, learning more about that for myself to understand why I am the way I am and and how that rolls out in the world. That background, certainly my family of origin has has had a remarkable influence on who I am and how I've managed to kind of be, you know, part of a business world like like the music industry. Like you say, that is one tough industry. And and particularly when I was in it, I was a young executive. I I think I was a general manager by the time I was 29 Mm. in a male-dominated music industry where it was hard to be taken seriously and you were kind of having to prove yourself every single day of the of the year. But it was great. I learned a lot through it. In fact, you know, when I th- think back to my career, I wouldn't change anything. Every step of it has been a growth path, mm. both professionally and personally. 
amazing and that phenomenal capacity for resilience to respond to challenging situations and bounce back and see the growth in those experiences. But really tough and talking to your childhood experiences, I'm really curious to know a little bit more about that. So mm-hmm. where whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up here in Sydney. Um, my dad being in Duntroon, we I was born in Canberra, but then I ended up growing up in Sydney. But my dad was super ambitious and he, um, as I alluded to before, he always kind of saw a grass as slightly greener somewhere mm. else. So The should-haves, could-haves, would-haves. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he wanted to go to Oxford in London and study there. And then he wasn't able to because he had a young family. So when he was around about 30, he went to London Business School and we all followed him over to kind of see out that dream of his and he became a management consultant and he he became a CEO and and ran a few kind of small, well, not small, but medium-sized businesses across Europe. But he was a frustrated human and he always felt that there was a bigger dream that could be had. And I think I saw that in him and that kind of never quite happy with himself. Mm. And actually, do you know, it didn't really occur to me until very, very late in the game that he was actually a very insecure man. You would never believe it. He he was the most big, broad, slightly scary human Mm. that seemed so confident and almost Mm. outrageously kind of sure of himself. Mm. But actually underneath all of that bravado was someone Mm. who I think was just very frightened of Mm. people thinking badly of him. So he did whatever was in his capacity to try and ensure that no one saw that, I think, including Mm. his own family. But in saying that, I don't think, and I'm sure there were a few people, I'm not sure it was me, that um, maybe saw the real him. But um, Mm. What was the real him? Look, I don't know. And I I, I have a feeling, Mm. you know, had he done a bit of more work on himself, Mm. it it could have been quite phenomenal who Mm. the real him was because he had so many good qualities. But unfortunately, he wasn't really of that generation that was into working on himself or self-help. It's so interesting what you describe, that individual who externally has so much bravado and larger than life and potentially, to put words out there, somewhat aggressive as you mm. as you described sort of externally would you say that yeah words come to mind when you think of descriptors of, of your dad he was pretty arrogant in arrogant. Social settings um mm. but I think he was frightened of people you know really and this is it you know this is it that anxiety is just a word right anxiety mm. is a word that has so many connotations associated with that word But as you're highlighting in the case of your dad, it is when we have this inherent vulnerability, the many faces of anxiety can come out. So it is that fight or flight reaction. And oftentimes when I'm working with individuals, whether it's men or women, there's this kind of breath out of, oh my goodness, now I understand why Mm -hmm. those behaviours were taking hold. And so sometimes with that vulnerability, it is that short fuse to arrogance or aggression or frustration Mm -hmm. or lashing out because it's the defence mechanisms that are kicking in. So what do you think created that underlying vulnerability? What was going on there? I think his own family background is super challenging you know mm. I think his mum was incredibly dedicated to the family and his father was a bit of a philandering mm. nightmare and, and mm. an alcoholic actually mm. and um, so I just think he was brought up you know with 
a, a bad role model for a father and probably not a lot of fatherly love of his mm. own, no reference point of what good fathering looked like. He mm. did have a wonderful relationship with his own grandparents. And I think mm. thankfully for that, they lived close by and supported his mother. And so he did have some reference, I guess mm. it just wasn't from his own father. But I think also in that generation, he got married very young to my mum, who he'd known for her whole life pretty much. Mm. And she was a gorgeous, blonde, mm. young woman. And I think he really wanted to own her. She was very young and mm. very naive probably. And again, probably escaping her own family. And they made a decision to get married and they both had children very young. And I think that just set them on a path that, again, is very different from now where, you know, people are almost the opposite end of the spectrum, getting married and, and partnering and having children very late in the day mm. when they've been able to live their life and really kind of fulfill a lot of their personal and career dreams. Mm. The opposite happened to, to my parents. They were, you know, they obviously wanted to get married, but had children very young and weren't able to live any, fulfill any of their own mm. personal dreams. So I think just the circumstances and times are so different. And so different. It, it and- builds a lot of resentment. I think, Mm. you know, with people when they're limited and they're held back or, and that coupled with their family of origin being crazy and not necessarily a great example for them is kind of a strange combination. (laughs) And it's interesting when you say times are different yet, yet there are (laughs) similarities because we are the same as human beings. We do actually respond in, in fairly similar ways, regardless of generational differences and environmental differences, which fortunately in certain respects can enlighten us to self-reflect and to change our ways. It's it's really interesting when you say, Mia, that he wanted to own her, he wanted to control her. And when we bring it back to underlying vulnerability, as you've described, really the core to vulnerability is fear of uncertainty. Mm. Um, with your dad, it's really interesting that fear of uncertainty coming out in terms of his, who am I professionally? financially, will I be good enough, all of these things, as well as sort of having that voice of his own father saying, potentially, you are not good enough. Mm. And so that need for certainty and control around the, I must have certainty in order to prove that I am good enough is a threat trigger. And what that can play out as is compensation for fear of uncertainty and that's when that need for control kicks in. And I mean, he would have had zero awareness of any of that. (laughs) And most people do have zero awareness. You know, we work, we we evolve through life in the tsunami of life that we just get bowled over with these inherent vulnerabilities. (laughs) We're all in this together, right? So here you were in this environment. Tell me a little bit more about your mum. He's an incredibly strong woman. And I think, Mm. you know, having been through a lot, um, in that marriage and, you know, moving around the world as well through the 80s when with two little kids, I think she was incredibly brave, really. I think she Mm. suffered from depression for a period through that Mm. time, just trying to cope. And I think she's launched a couple of businesses of her own through her career and she's financially independent and has bought property and has always been a go-getter and and pushing the envelope. So she's been an incredible role model as well. They've both had a lot of qualities that have been incredibly powerful and important in my life. Mm. And I think, you know, the combination of 
the tough parts as mm-hmm. well as those positive kind mm-hmm. of attributes is has been a combination that has been quite unique and mm. I think has definitely set me up um mm. in various ways and obviously not without limitations <laughs> um and but, that double-edged sword <laughs> as you're saying the strengths that can evolve and the challenges that can evolve and the power of reparative relationships is is fantastic to be able mm-hmm. to draw on those individuals in our world that do have aligned values that we can forge um, safe connections with and uh, move through other traumatic life experiences through the power of reparative relationships. How did this impact you? What were some of the things, the vulnerabilities, let's call it anxiety? How did anxiety show up in your life along the I way? I think, you know, that need to be have certainty certainly mm. followed through in my life as well. I think having a lot of uncertainty you know, my parents didn't have happy marriage. They weren't, they spent a lot of years together trying to be, stay married. But, you mm. know, ultimately the feeling was for my brother and I in our household that they were fragile. So I guess that wasn't particularly nurturing in terms mm. of feeling very secure. And I guess mm. that is one area that has always been very important to me, had this safety and security, but not being able to have that necessarily. I think Mm. I've always been searching for it and a way that that kind of has kind of transpired in my life is that quite strong, dominating, sometimes controlling part of my character works for some people and obviously doesn't work for everyone. And I think that's something that I think as you become, you know, more aware of the way that your behaviours do get responded to over time, you realise what works and what doesn't work. And that's certainly something that is that works in a maybe in a business sense. You're a good leader, you know, mm. you're, you're a good strategic person. However, in a relationship, for example, it doesn't work so well if you're mm. someone who needs to control the environment at all times. That becomes mm. quite constraining. And I think that certainly has something that's taken 20 odd years to kind of be fully aware of and understand that has to be shifted. And the person that has to shift with is is me, you know. So, yes, I've had a failed marriage before a, you know, a a marriage in progress currently. And, (laughs) you know, I think you you do think I said to you, you know, separately that Mm. when you have a failed marriage, I went to a counsellor after I came out of that marriage and and she was saying, gosh, you're very, I, I can, I can see you're very anxious. And I'm like, I'm not anxious. And I didn't even know what that word meant. You know, like I literally had no clue what anxiety meant, but it it was at that time in my early thirties or mid thirties that I was made aware of that kind of side of myself that was quite anxious. And, and that kind of came out in a quite a controlling way. And that was how it manifested itself in my life. So that's certainly been something that is very eye-opening but also very rewarding to know that you can kind of start to manage it better. Absolutely and grow through experience and evolve and seek out the help that you need at the times in your life where it is tough and so it's wonderful to hear that you did work with somebody through that really tricky time in your life and when we talk about control it's quite an interesting construct because at the end of the day it comes down to what is driving your behavior at any particular time and if we're in a relationship let's say that there's lots of contextual things going on and we're feeling 
that sense of anxiety, that physiological reaction to perceived threat in our environment, or even real threat in, in the environment, that need for control or that neediness to, to get rid of the uncertainty can kick in. And so that's the fight or flight driver, the fear driver that is leading to safety behaviors. So fight or flight driven responses. That need for control is typically going to be unhelpful. And because you're in, in adrenaline, you're in cortisol, in that sympathetic nervous system, there's a different form of control, which might say, I value diligence or I mm. value protection of my loved ones and mm. I value health and well-being. So I'm going to make sure that I dot my I's and I cross my T's around control in these aspects of my life. That's empowerment, right? Is when we are getting a sense of control around the things that are values driven. And mm. so it's the pivot out of what is motivating our behavior at any particular time. This is the double-edged sword of anxiety. When we move from anxiety into resilient and empowered action, what things come to mind where control really serves you well, where it's not driven by fear, but it's that dogged determination that mm. makes you, you know, the superhuman who you are. I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, being able to use some of the qualities mm. around that, that those personality traits to be determined, to stick mm -hmm. in, to be a loyal human to your friends and family. I think those parts obviously are the positive elements of that. I guess, value and upbringing byproduct almost, and certainly attuning yourself into being kinder to yourself, really mm -hmm. kind of giving yourself less of a hard time. I think people mm. who are, have come from, you know, maybe lacking of security in their backrooms tend to be slightly kind of hard on themselves because mm -hmm. they, they think that that's the way that they should be treated. And it's about kind of just trying to give yourself some some grace and some space to to heal and repair and and also acknowledging the strengths that you have so that's certainly been something that you know i think and life experience at the end of the day the more you do something the more experiences you've had the more chances you can you know, do things better the next time. Mm. Um, and I think that's been at the heart of a lot of what my recent kind of launch of this business has been, has been the ability to know that I can do it by myself and with the support of my family and my husband, I can get through the hard times in running a business and also if kind of achieve what I need to achieve personally mm. to fulfill yes, my you, own personal goals. Yes, you absolutely can. You, <laughs> you are kick-ass. You can have Absolutely. You know, your hopes and dreams, we mark it done. Sometimes if we want to move out of stress and into real empowerment, given that uncertainty is such a challenging thing for us as human beings, is clarity on your vision, clarity on your purpose. We talked about the queen and her superpower there. But for us as well, you know, individuals who want to change the world and achieve phenomenal outcome, when you can have clarity on that vision and approach your success with certain it's not ego driven, it's heart driven, and it's that deep commitment to passion and purpose. What I love so much about what you're describing in terms of your own life experience is 
100% the superpower of anxiety and recognizing that anxiety is the protective instinct at play and it has created such a strong heartbeat in you to make sure that your family or loved ones are safe and well, your parents, you know, sometimes when we evolve as feeling like we need to wear that hat of being parents to our parents, that can be really tricky as as a child growing up without that sense of my parents and my rocks and that wobbly foundation. But it does evolve, it evolves an anxiety, but it does also evolve a doggedness around determination to ensure that everyone and everything is safe and well. And so it's the capacity for self-awareness to rise up and rise out of the fear drivers and realign to the magnificent values that evolve out of this care factor, this protective instinct. Mm. So go you. (laughs) Does that resonate with you, some of these sorts of ways of conceptualizing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it does. And I think, you know, at the heart of it, you really do need help people everyone needs help you know they need to understand this kind of area and they need to understand where their behaviors come from I mean people are so complex and have had you know everyone's had such different ways of being brought up and and experiences in life and I think you know had I not had quite a lot of intervention in terms of you know either reading books or speaking to you know psychologists or counselors or people who have had had those experiences too and really mm. having a curiosity about how to find out more then I would you know wouldn't have been able to move through it I think it's quite easy you know I've seen lots of people through uh, over the years kind of just put their blinkers on and avoid mm. it and certainly that is one way of kind of getting through hard times but I think mm. for me I've always wanted to understand more and I, I just wasn't really satisfied with just doing things over and over again and having the same outcomes and and those outcomes not being not changing mm. and so that for me it's, I've always been very curious and kind of passionate almost about finding out the why and using those kind of things that potentially have a negative connotation in a positive way if I could. Mm. That is amazing and what a magnificent mindset hack of moving <laughs> out of that you know pity party into what can I learn from this? How can I do things differently next time? That continual improvement mindset is so key to high performance. And what I love about your use of the word curiosity, and you really talk to curiosity as a value, and it is a higher order value because it's the value that enables us to learn more and evolve more and move out of ego and defensiveness that says, I already have all the answers into a world of, I want to know more. I want to grow more. I want to be better. And that want to be better being driven by heart and driven by values, as opposed to fear of being judged negatively as a, as a fear driver. So it is some of these pivots and recognize that, you know, these things are very, very common across so many high performers because the care factor is really oftentimes consistent. It is that care factor that drives people and motivates people want to do more and be more. Amazing. And you know what I love about working with uh, high performers is just this capacity to dig deep on on continual improvement and moving out of anxiety into high performance and resilient and empowered action and not to suffer in silence, as you've rightly pointed out. Incredible. So I'm really curious to know, we talk about the value of curiosity, who have been some role models and mentors or books that you have read along the way that you have found 
really either insightful or informative and uh, in, in terms of your growth and your development. My advice um, to anyone who's kind of in this space and, and kind of curious about the way that they behave is really just do the work. Um, in the words of Dr. Nicole LaPera, I don't think there's any avoidance. You've just got to do the work. And if that mm. means, you know, watching a YouTube video or following an Instagram feed or reading a book or doing some training course or going and seeing a psychologist, just do it. Like, why not? There's plenty of ways to access help and it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be quite accessible through an Instagram feed, but be curious about how your behavior might not be serving you anymore. And if you feel it might, it's not serving you, it probably isn't. So be curious and find out how you might be able to change some elements of, of that behavior and turn it into something a bit more aligned with what you really believe in and what, what serves you. Amazing advice. A book that I've really enjoyed reading over the years and I've often come back to it is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I really love Renee Brown's work. And in fact, I've listened to quite a few audiobooks of hers as well. And she's got such an incredible voice. It's quite magnetic. You just hear these nuggets of gold, as you said before, throughout the book that you can come back to time and time again and, and find different elements to it. And they serve you in a different way to suit the, what's going on in your life. And Renee Brown is just kind of a master in this space for me and certainly has been a lot of help helping me understand various sides to myself. And I think what I love about her so much as well is that she is so vulnerable. She often talks about, you know, her weaknesses to describe situations and and help you understand things in yourself. She's very much kind of been there, done that. And I think, you know, that's such an incredible quality in in learning is actually learning from people who are willing to kind of show their vulnerable side. You know, vulnerability has been something that I've really struggled with showing until I did the work. I think it's, it's you can have a lot of power in showing that vulnerability. Couldn't Go agree Brene. more. Go <laughs> Brene. She's an absolute phenomenon. Mia, what an absolute joy to speak with you. One other point that I want to highlight in terms of empowerment we speak to empowerment of women, empowerment of humans, but what you really talked to so magnificently is the difference between power and force. What I like to highlight is the difference between assertiveness, which can be quiet, which can just be holding your space, which can be lowering the tone of your voice, but really being true to your worth and bringing it back to your purpose and your heart. So the difference between assertiveness, that is our right as human beings, and aggression, which is fight or flight. Mm. So, And it's the awareness of the difference. Oftentimes it's our body language, that magnificent work of Amy Cuddy, the power pose, mm. which boy, you know, that two centimetre solar plexus thrust forward, <laughs> that changes our neuroscience, right? Shoulders back let's say, our, our breasts forward. <laughs> you know, we've got to embrace we've got that. We've got to power. apply that more. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, honestly, when I remind myself, strike a pose, <laughs> empowerment, power, not force, and we can do that with warmth, with grace, such mm. as the magnificent Celine Dion. Mia, I would love to know, for people who experience anxiety, our audience, what are some of the wonderful messages you would love to deliver to individuals listening and watching today? In the words of Nicole LaPera, just do the work. Mm. Just can't avoid it. I mean, why not? Just 
read a book or, you know, go and see someone or watch a video. Be curious about trying to find out where something is coming from and if it's serving you. And I think, you know, if something doesn't feel like it's serving you, it probably isn't. And you can change, you can you can grow. And it's, mm. what's ahead could be fantastic and mm. invariably it is. So in my experience, it's just do the work. Be curious, do the work. You are worth it. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> what a joy to talk with you today, Mia. You too, Jodie. Thank you very much and, for having uh, me. It's been yeah. such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Where To From Here. If you like what you've heard, be sure to click follow or subscribe for future episodes of Where To From Here via your podcast app. Leaving a review helps others find the podcast. And for more information, head to drjody.com.au or follow our socials at underscore drjody underscore.